things other than, God, what do you want me to do? Yesterday, we had an incredible privilege. Uh, Men from around the community gathered over at Hillcrest Baptist Church, one of our sister churches. They hosted a men's breakfast for everybody, and uh, it was great. Uh, And Kamar uh, gave the message, and it was great. And there was this discussion of, but now what? What do we do with what we've heard? We've been looking at the book of Daniel, and and you guys have been walking through that with us, and I appreciate it. I'd ask you to turn there if you've got a copy of God's Word, uh, because we're going to look at it again today. And when we look at this text, I'm not going to read the whole thing. We're looking at two chapters, chapter 7 and chapter 8 today. Uh, But again, it's not going to be like verse by verse. We're going to be looking at this saying, what is the big idea? What's What's the big theme, and then what does it mean for my life? How do I respond to this message that was given to Daniel thousands of years ago, and how in the world could that have anything to do with my life today? Well, as we've been walking through Daniel, we've seen some interesting things, but a lot lot of it's been stories, right? A lot of it's been stories, and, and you know the stories, Daniel in the lion's den, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, Daniel refusing to eat the king's food, and, and those, those kind of stories stick with us. Well, the last half of the book of Daniel looks nothing like the first half of the book of Daniel, right? If you've ever read through this book, or if you've been doing that along with us as we've been reading it, you know that it kind of shifts a little bit in the second half. The first half is a lot of narrative, a lot of stories and that kind of stuff, and then the second half is largely weird, <laughs> It, it's, if, it, if it's okay for me to say that about the Bible. It, it's it's kind of strange, right? There's these visions of these beasts and things coming out of the water and things uh, tearing stuff out, misshapen creatures, creatures that he can't even describe, and all this stuff is happening, and we're kind of like, well, I want the stories again. right? I, I want the lion's den again. That, that was good. That's easy. I can kind of grab hold of that. Well, don't freak out as we walk through these prophecies. And the other encouragement that I would give you is don't get caught up in the minutia. There's a time for that. There's a place for that. And it's wonderful, fruitful study to dive in, to dig in and say, what is this? And what is this? And how does this relate to this? If you want to get really uh, into it, then, then you understand Daniel chapter 7, right, is, is essential reading if you're ever going to understand the book of Revelation, right? And so all that prophecy, all that stuff, that's great. But this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to focus on two things. Two things. There's two visions we're going to look at. And in those visions, there's two kinds of king that are talked about, which means there's two different kinds of kingdom. We're going to be looking with very broad brushstrokes and then saying, now, Lord, what do you want us to do? All right, so I'll set the stage here real quick. First off, Daniel 7, first vision, 7 verse 1, he says, in the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon. So Daniel dates this vision. He says, this is the first year of the reign of King Belshazzar. All right, so this is when Daniel's already an older man. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we kind of talked about all the different kings that Daniel served in. This is the second to last administration that he served in. All right, and he's saying, so at the end of his life, he's sitting there and he has a dream, or excuse me, he's lying in bed and he has this dream and then he relates the substance of it, right? Here's, here's the, the broad brushstrokes of it. And he sees 
four different beasts coming up out of the sea, and each one's different. And there's a, one like a lion with eagle's wings. Then there's one like a bear raised up on one side with three ribs in its mouth. Uh, and then there's this leopard with four wings and four heads. And then, verse 7, it says, After this, while I was watching in the night visions, suddenly a fourth beast appeared, frightening and dreadful, incredibly strong, with large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed. It trampled with its feet whatever was left. It was different from all the other beasts, and it had ten horns. Now, he's concerned at this dream that he's had. Now, some of you are really vivid dreamers, right? And you wake up regularly remembering what you've dreamed and, and thinking about it and, and all of that. I don't understand you people. Do you, do you not sleep well? What's going on here? Because when I wake up, I almost never remember what I dreamt the night before, right? But Daniel lives in Babylon, Daniel lives in a land, and indeed, much of Daniel's reputation has been made by interpreting dreams for others. Now the Lord sends him the dream, and he is then going to interpret it. He sees this vision of this kingdom that rises, a kingdom that destroys, a kingdom that crushes. But then look at this next. As I kept watching, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white like wool, and the hair of his head like whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire. Its wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing out from his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was convened, and the books were opened. And I watched then because of the sound of the arrogant words that one of the horns in his vision was, was speaking. And as I continued watching, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and was given over to the burning fire. So what Daniel sees is disturbing. What Daniel sees is concerning. There's all of these beasts and different things and this one is so terrible he can't even describe what it is. But then he sees God. And he sees God sitting on his throne. The Ancient of Days is not worried about the beast. The Ancient of Days is not freaking out. He's sitting. And he wins. The beast that's trampling, the beast that's devouring, looks powerful, looks strong, but God himself just sits and conquers. How does he do that? He does that and in, in an interesting way with this next section, verse 13. Suddenly, one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Essentially, God is showing Daniel, look, there's these kings that you're worried about. There's these kingdoms that are destroying, that are destructive. Remember, Daniel is captured. He is literally enslaved there to King Belshazzar, right? He is not in his homeland. He has been oppressed. His people have been destroyed by this king in Babylon. But he's given this vision of a different kind of king, one who not only reigns forever, but whose kingdom cannot be destroyed. It doesn't matter how violent that kingdom is. It doesn't matter how terrifying this beast is. That king, the son of man, his kingdom will never be destroyed. 
Now, Daniel is getting this, and, and he doesn't get the description right away. He just gets these images. Well, the, the next part of the chapter here begins to explain it. There's somebody standing there, and he approaches them, and he says, explain this to me. What's going on here? These four huge beasts, verse 17, four in number are four kings who will rise from the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. And he goes on and he describes all the different things. The fourth beast, verse 23, is gonna be different from all the other kingdoms, right? And then there's gonna be these 10 kings who rise up and one of them will rise up and subdue three others. Verse 25, he'll speak words against the Most High and oppress the holy ones of the Most High. He will intend to change religious festivals and laws. The holy ones will be handed over to him for a time, times and time, half a time, but the court will convene and his dominion will be taken away to be completely destroyed forever. Daniel says, I, I've seen two, this vision and there's two different kinds of kings and there's two different kinds of kingdoms. Well, then in chapter eight, you have a similar vision that takes place. And there's, again, this interpretation that's given. I'm not gonna read all of it, but what happens is this king rises up and a ruthless king, skilled in intrigue, 8.23, will come to the throne. His power will be great, but it will not be his own. He will cause outrageous destruction and succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the powerful along with the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper through his cunning and by his influence and in his own mind, he will exalt himself. He will destroy many in a time of peace. He will even stand against the Prince of Peace. Two different visions, same kind of king, both times, but opposed by a different kind of king, opposed by a different kind of kingdom. This prideful king, it says, will be broken, but not by human hands. Will be broken, but not by human hands. What does that mean? What does that mean for you and for I? It doesn't seem like it, but everything in life comes down to one choice. Everything. Everything in life, every decision you make, ultimately comes down to one decision. Which king are you going to follow? It's not a question of whether you get to be king or queen, that's not an option. There's a king who has all this earthly power and there's a king who has all the other power. And it turns out he's got all the power anyways because he destroys the evil king. There's this God king, this son of man, this one who is not destroyed, whose kingdom is established forever. And then there's the kingdoms of this world. There's a kingdom that is founded on peace. There's a kingdom that is founded on community. There's a kingdom that is founded on love and righteousness and justice. And there's a kingdom that is founded on violence and greed. A kingdom that's founded on lies and deceit. Everything you do in this life comes down to which king you submit to. It seems like such an easy decision, right? Well, of course. Of course I'm not gonna follow the bloodthirsty king. Of course I'm not going to go along with that way of life. Of course I wanna be a part of the kingdom that, where the king reigns forever, where peace is established, where truth is upheld. Of course that's what I want to do. Yeah, every day. Lauren and Allie talked about how 
It's not all sunshine and roses on the mission field. It's, it's not always easy. It's a daily decision. Lord, today, help me to follow you. Lord, I just need some shoes. Let me just run in here real quick. Oh, now I got to go back? Really? How inconvenient. It's so easy to say, I want to follow the king of peace. I want to follow the son of man. But it's in the day-to-day that we live that out. It's so easy to say, I want to follow the king of peace. And then live as if there were no peace. Contribute to the violence. Contribute to the drama. Contribute to the division. It's so easy to say, I want to follow the kingdom, the king whose kingdom will never end, and then to give our lives to things that inevitably fade away, to set as our idol money, fame, good looks, success, to say that's what I want, even knowing those things are fleeting. Every choice we make comes down to, am I going to be shaped and formed by this king who comes before the throne of the Ancient of Days and is given a kingdom that looks nothing like the kingdoms of this world, or am I going to follow the way of this world? The difficulty that I have, Kamar said this yesterday, and I like it enough to steal it, Kamar. He says, it's impossible It's impossible for a preacher to preach the word well. It's not something we can do. Lauren and Allie couldn't produce salvation in anybody that they talked to. I can't produce transformation in you. I can't convince you that you should have in your mind at all times Jesus is king and his kingdom looks nothing like the kingdoms of this world. I can't convince you that following the Prince of Peace is the appropriate way and that the fleeting pleasures of this life are not going to fulfill you, I can't convince you of that. So I'm not gonna try. But I would encourage you to read Daniel 7 and to read Daniel 8 and to see the clear contrast between these two kingdoms and these two kings and to choose for yourself who you're gonna serve how your life is going to be structured, what your interactions are going to look like with the people that you come in contact this week. Are they going to be predicated on the assumptions the world makes? Power is right. Money is God. I'm number one. Or are your decisions this week going to be predicated on Peace is right. Jesus is God. He must increase and I must decrease. I'm telling you, those decisions every day are what make your life. And this morning is no different. This morning is a decision point, a moment like Maley standing in front of you all and saying, I'm with Jesus This morning is a time for you to say, I'm with Jesus. This world and its fleeting pleasures is passing away. This world and its power structure looks so inviting at times, looks so invincible, but it's not. 
it's fading. And it's fading quickly. And there is coming a day when the Son of Man comes with the clouds of heaven to establish his kingdom in full, to bring history to its proper conclusion. The choices you make today and the rest of your life are going to affect that, are going to be part of that. What is he going to say when he comes? What will he find when he shows up? Let's pray. Father God, as we, your people, have in front of us your word, I ask God that you would use it to change us. God, I can't. Spirit, you can. My words are weak. Your word is strong. God, do your work in your people this morning. For your glory, for your name, for your sake. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.